Thanks, and good morning. I'm Jim Swan. Linda is away today, and we welcome Monica, Communications Manager for the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario. Good to have you along, Monica. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. And SPBB is a program that gives consumers information from businesses they can trust. And speaking of trust, the nominations for the Better Business Bureau's annual Business Integrity Awards is coming up. Later this morning, we'll talk about this year's Business Integrity Awards because there are some features and new awards that listeners will be really excited to hear about. Well, it's been a slow start to spring and summer, but we know that warm, even hot and muggy weather will arrive. When it does, we want our vehicle's air conditioning to work properly, and Jeremy Hanford of Hanford Tire and Auto Services will be here a little later to help us keep our cool. But summer months, Jim, are also about travel and vacation. If that means hitting the road with a trailer or motorhome, you'll enjoy what we learn as we welcome our first guest this morning. We are pleased to welcome Kirk Thompson, Secretary-Treasurer of Canem RV at 6068 Colonel Talbot Road, London. Thanks for taking the time to join us, Kirk. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. First, when we have a trailer or a standalone motorhome, do we call it camping, RVing, or even glamping these days? Well, actually, all those terms get applied to it. Uh, a lot of people uh, will call themselves RVers or or campers, um, but campers can encompass uh, people that whether they're using tents or, uh, you know, sleeping bags under the stars or staying in a five-slide-out million-dollar motorhome. Uh, it's all kind of the act of camping. But uh, glam, glamping has come a long way because uh, people are doing up these units, uh, making them so stylish and so personalized to their own tastes and stuff. It's really become uh, quite popular for people to do. What's that popularity? Who who are the RVers or the glampers of today? Well, you know that the the whole thing has changed a lot over the last few years. Uh, we used to see traditionally people in their fifties and sixties uh, going out and buying their their campers and uh, traveling and maybe using it for semi retirement. Now, what we see is a lot of younger people, a lot of people that uh, you know are stuck in an urban environment downtown in an apartment, things like that, where they want to get back to nature a little bit. And uh, we get people starting, some in their late 20s, but most uh, in their 30s and early 40s. Uh, a lot of single people now are uh, doing it as well. Uh, we get a lot of uh, people that have, you know, are just want to go out and travel. And it's because camping such a social activity, you get to meet a lot of people along the way. And generally, it's a very, very safe environment to be in as well. Wow. So in terms of costs and investment, um, are there any tips or advice that you can give as people think about making an investment in a trailer or a motorhome? Um, yeah, there's uh, a, a lot of uh, different uh, things to consider when you're looking at. One is kind of how much you do want to spend on it. You can kind of spend anywhere from uh, something very entry level and a used unit from $5,000 uh, up to um, over a million dollars, uh, depending on what you're looking for. Uh, but uh, what I always can suggest to people is that they start off, uh, they can look at a, a, a unit that uh, doesn't require a huge, huge investment to start. And, uh, you know, you can get something for even like $50 a week. And uh, going with something like that to try it out, see what you like, see what you don't like about it. Um, a lot of times people say, oh, you know what, I wish I had done this with the floor plan or I got, uh, you know, an extra bed or I didn't, I don't really need those beds or, 
And so there's a lot of things. So if you start off with something a little bit more reasonable to start and then uh, work your way to a, a bigger unit or a smaller unit, depending on how how you enjoy the lifestyle, and uh, go from there. It's uh, it's kind of a, a, a very uh, easy uh, activity to get into, a very easy vacation, and it's quite reasonable. Um, the, the gas mileage that you're going to use is going to be a little bit more when you're towing a trailer or driving a motorhome, but uh, you're not having to pay for your lodging at every stop. You're not having to buy all your meals out. Um, you know, you can cook what you want. Uh, if you have dietary restrictions, you can have a washroom when you want <laughs> and a clean washroom at that. Now, you, you mentioned trailer. Speaking of that, do you have to have a special license or any special training to be able to tow a trailer? Uh, and drive a vehicle with a trailer? How tricky is it? Uh, for 99% of them, you don't have to have any special licensing to to tow one. Uh, we do, when we sell a unit to somebody, we always take them out for a drive, teach them how to back up, make sure that they're comfortable with how it handles and that. But it really actually, if your hitch is all set up properly with a proper tow vehicle and a decent trailer, um, it's not a whole lot different than just driving your car under normal conditions. You have to do a few little things different, like, take your corner slightly wider than you, you would in your normal car. But uh, it's not like you can't drive through downtown Toronto, which I've done many times. So You're brave. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> so Can-Am RV Centre has been around for nearly 50 years. What do you think is the biggest challenge you've seen over that time? The biggest challenge over the last 50 years? I would say uh, um, getting people to... To try it, um, there's always a little bit of a fear. Uh, people look at these big RVs or trailers, and they kind of go, "Oh man, I wouldn't want to drive that." And even if they won't actually vocalize that, there's always something sitting back in their minds that they they're a little bit nervous about. So we always encourage everybody to go out and take them for a test drive, see how the trailer works going down the road, see how the motorhome drives, and then when you get behind the wheel, it's like, "Oh, you know what? This really isn't a big deal." What about changes? Big changes. Uh, technology is a huge change, mm-hmm. as it is in all, all our lives. Um, the the biggest change probably since when we started was there was no trailers with uh, slide-outs. And now we have trailers with you know upwards of five slide-outs in them that uh, expand <laughs> the livability inside if you want. Uh, that's probably one, been one of the biggest factors. But uh, technology certainly is, uh, you know, control your awning from your – from your cell phone, you walk up, some of our models have you walk up to the trailer and they unlock, the lights come on for you as you approach the trailer. It's <laughs> it's uh, just amazing all the innovations that are coming along. Cameras so you can see when you're backing up and, uh-huh. and if you're driving down the road, they can see behind you as well. Uh, so if you know if there's somebody tailgating you or, or things like that. Thus that term glamping, I guess. <laughs> right. And also makes it a lot more less intimidating because yes. the technology really helps, right? Yeah. It's it's like uh, the backup cameras on our cars now that uh, people, you know, 10 years ago was a rarity to have a camera on your car. Now people, you know, it, it's such a huge safety factor. You're backing out of your driveway. You're not worried about some neighbor's child running behind you and things like that. It's, it's, uh, it's a safety thing as well as uh, just makes it more comfortable, easier to use. Well, Kirk, if people want to get a close-up look at some of these changes and innovations, they can just visit you out there at uh, 6068 uh, Colonel Talbot Road. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we'd be happy to show anybody around and uh, take people out for drives, and they can try all different sizes and uh, 
different models. And we also have seminars that teach people who've never had an RV before so that they can come out and learn about the whole lifestyle and see what it's all about. Thanks for taking time to be with us here this morning, Kirk. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're listening to Ask BBB, and our guest has been Kirk Thompson, who is Secretary-Treasurer of Can-Am RV Centre at 6068 Colonel Talbot Road, London, and he answered our questions about RVs and RVing. Can-Am RV Centre is accredited business with the BBB, serving Western Ontario with an A-plus rating. Look for them in the BBB directory. Search for RV dealers, and you'll get their full profile and a link to the Can-Am RV Centre website. Well, we'll return... And when we're joined then by Jeremy Hanford of Hanford Tire and Auto Center, it'll make sure that you're driving a cool car this summer. Welcome back to Ask BBB, a weekly program produced by the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario. I'm Jim Swan with Monica, who is the communications manager with the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario. Well, we all want to keep our cool in traffic, both figuratively and literally, but there is no button to push to help you keep your cool when you're stuck in traffic or cut off by that aggressive driver. But when the weather is what is heating you up, you want your air conditioning to kick in and keep you cool. Jeremy Hanford, the owner of Hanford Tire and Auto Center, is our guest this morning to help us understand what keeps us cool in a car or a truck. Welcome to Ask BBB, Jeremy. Thank you, Jim. So, as the summer season approaches, Jeremy, we have our home air conditioner checked as part of the maintenance routine. But is there a check for auto air conditioning besides turning it on and finding out that it really doesn't work? Actually, that's a great question. And basically, you just answered the question as well. Um, as far as checking your AC, it is a matter of turning it on and making sure it's blowing cold air on all your different levels of your fan speeds. When it comes to repairs, uh, it, what does it require for training and certification to become an auto air conditioning technician? Um, that's another great question in the sense that you do have to be certified by ozone depletion. Um, our AC techs do have certification cards in which they have to do and perform leak and pressure tests on vehicle vehicles as well as um, tag vehicles, whether they have refrigerant in them or how much refrigerant goes back in them. Hmm, very interesting. You know, your website lists the components of the air conditioning system in your vehicle, and so it's really good to have a basic understanding. It helps to understand how things function. But what are most likely the sources of problems with air conditioning, and which parts are the ones that are going to be most expensive to repair? Well, AC in general is a very expensive repair on vehicles. If you think about your house and your air conditioner, it doesn't move. And in the car, you have the same components, but it is constantly going down the road over uh, bumps and uh, and curbs and potholes. And so we see a, a large array of, of repairs, but generally the most expensive ones are the AC compressor itself and the evaporator core, which is located inside the car between the dash and the engine. Are some of those going to be too expensive for older cars to even uh, contemplate fixing? Yes, like the average AC repair uh, realistically is pretty much $1,000. Um, just to check it out, most places range between seventy nine ninety five and one forty nine ninety five to do a leak and pressure test on it. And that's just going to determine on what's leaking or what the problem is. If it is leaking, can sometimes that leak be repaired or fixed uh, without a, a, a big major cost? 
Um, yes, you know, there are smaller leaks in the sense that you have uh, seals um, on different lines that may be leaking, or you may have a van and have rear lines going to the back of the vehicle in which you can um, cut those lines off and cap them and therefore only run air conditioning to the front of the van. Uh, but for the most part, you know, between the price of the refrigerant and the price of the parts, usually it's a fairly expensive endeavor. So we better put aside about $1,000 if we want to keep her cool. Well, 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 that also then speaks to maintenance, Jeremy. We want to maintain it. Can you do things that will make sure it does last a little longer? Well, most cars, uh, the AC actually runs in in the winter and the, and the compressor cycles in the winter because when your car is on defrost, it is cycling the AC compressor. But you can't really go in and... Uh, and do any service like you do an oil change or anything like that to your air conditioning system. It's basically, it's a bit of the luck of the draw. Some people will drive a car for 10 years and not have an AC problem. Others could have one for three years and need a compressor or an evaporator and it's, you know, $1,500. So a lot of people today are into kits and auto parts stores sell recharging kits for air conditioners. What would you hope that people know before they use such a kit? Well, a lot of those kits, and and not to name names of different ones that are available, but they have a propane-based propellant inside. And what propane-based propellants are is they they basically are flammable. So once you put that kit that usually ranges in the $50 range that has a half a pound of charge – in in a sealer inside, you basically, a lot of shops uh, like ours will test the refrigerant in the car before we do our check. And if we determine that that has that uh, material in it, we we will walk away from the job and and not go any further because it is a a danger. Now, there have been some changes in the uh, whole air conditioning area uh, because of the depletion of the ozone. What what were those changes and, and how did that affect what you do? Well, the, you know, the changes for the most part in the auto industry have been good. It, it, everything is to lower emissions and, and reduce what we're putting into the atmosphere. Um, they've come out with, you know, three changes recently in the last 15 years uh, from R12 uh, was the first refrigerant to R134 that dissipated even more so uh, into the ozone depletion. And now the new cars come out with a, a refrigerant called 1234. And it again um, is, is in brand new vehicles now and we've yet to see them in our shop but again that uh the parts per million count is is definitely uh a a lot smaller so jeremy so sometimes you turn on the car it's air conditioning and it has a funny smell is there something that you can do for that well actually it's another great question we do have a thing in our cars called a cabin air filter that sits between the glove box and the engine and that filter filters out somewhat like your furnace filter at home, your outside air inside the car. And what happens is that gets plugged up with debris. It can get wet, therefore causing your mildewy or moisture uh, like smell. Um, But that cleans the air coming into the car. And it is a vital thing to keep clean, to have your air conditioning system running um, as cold and as efficient and, and taking in the best type of air you could have. Wow. So are there any other tips that you can share with us to help us make sure that the air can be as cool in the car as possible? 
So when starting your car, I would always recommend you start your car and put your air conditioning on low. Once you have the car on uh, the air conditioning on low and it starts to cool, then once the, it cools, turn it to recirculate or max AC on some people's car. And what that'll do is that'll recirculate the air that's already cooled inside your vehicle. Therefore, it doesn't have to take that warm air outside your vehicle, cool it and bring it in. So it's a, it's a great way. Um, parking in the shade, uh, you know, letting some airflow or ventilation into your car is also uh, a great thing. But just trying to avoid getting in the car immediately, turning to as cold as it can be and on high. Um, have a little patience and, and the cold air will come. So. Do you do a regular AC check uh, when people come in for their uh, car servicing? Is it part of a, a spring lookover or should you book something specific to have your uh, air conditioning unit reviewed? Well, as, as a consumer and a driver, you, you know, the best thing to do is turn your air conditioning on. Um, what I tell people is turn it on low speed, let it build, um, and then check your speeds and, and drop the temperature on it and see if that temperature drops as time goes on and, and make sure that your fans work on all the speeds. But as far as um, coming in and having it serviced, unless it's blowing warm air or intermittently it's blowing warm and cool air, then that's when you need to make an appointment. And you can expect, like I said, that inspection to be anywhere from 80 to $150. And it usually takes about an hour to do. Well, we'll hope that we soon have warm enough weather to want to check that air conditioning, Jeremy. And thanks very much for uh, joining us here at Ask BBB this morning. I really appreciate you having me. You're listening to Ask BBB, and we've been talking to Jeremy Hanford, who is the owner of Hanford Tire and Auto Center, an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario with an A-plus rating. Search the BBB directory under Auto Repair to find them. There's something new for this year's Business Integrity Awards, so we'll return in a moment to tell you all about it. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan, and with us this morning is Monica, who is the Communications Manager for the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario. Well, Monica, the closing date for nominations for this year's Business Integrity Awards is just about two weeks away. That's right. So businesses can be nominated by customers, suppliers, employees, or they can even nominate themselves. The nomination deadline is in two weeks, and then submissions are due the 19th of July. And submissions to these uh, awards allow a business to highlight the practices a company has in place to maintain trust and integrity in the workplace. To review these submissions, a completely independent panel of judges will judge those submitted entries. And the recipients will be announced at the Business Integrity Awards. Uh, what's the date this year? Yeah, so this year it's the 22nd year for the Business Integrity Awards, and it's going to be held on Wednesday, November 6, 2019, at 7 a.m. at the Doubletree by Hilton. It's a London event that has been anticipated and valued by business leaders and the public since 1988. The annual award program recognizes businesses that maintain a commitment to ethical business practices. Before the break, we said there's something new. So what's new? This year's Business Integrity Awards have been expanded. There are three different categories for the Business Integrity Awards. And we also have a new award called the Spark Award that allows us to highlight business owners 35 years and under or business owners of any age operating for less than three years who demonstrate a higher level of character, generating a culture that is authentic about its mission, and also connecting with community. 
There are three key characteristics or categories for the Spark Awards. These include character, culture, and community. Can you expand on each of those for us a little? Sure. So, for character, leaders must be teachable, ethical, and that way they empower the employees to be intentional in their personal and professional development. When we're looking at culture, we want to see how these organizations build progressive cultures that set ethical ways for a business to problem solve, resolve conflict, and even inspire growth and evolution. And lastly, we're wanting to see how they're engaged in their community so that they can help the environment, various stakeholders by reinvesting and volunteering. And all of this information, along with how to nominate and enter, is on the BBB website. Yes, Jim. All the details are available on the website. And that's our time for Ask BBB today. And Monica, the、uh, communications manager for BBB serving Western Ontario, thanks for stepping in for Linda this morning. It was a pleasure. Until next time, I'm Jim Swan. Remember, Ask BBB and start with trust.